the basic text, when you want to explore Hilchas Tshuva, is of course the Rambam. And the Rambam in Sefer Amada gives us an entire body of halacha about Hilchas Tshuva, about how to go about doing Tshuva, what Tshuva is, he gets into a lot of the philosophical elements of tshuva. But I think of all of the many chapters that the Rambam dedicates to tshuva, and of all the many halachas contained therein, the most famous halacha in the Rambam in Hilchas tshuva is Parakimal Halacha Dawud. And if you go through a year and you don't see this Rambam, then it hasn't been a year. The Rambam writes as follows: Afal pi shetkia shayfer brashishana gezeres hakosuv. Even though that blowing a shayfer on rashishana is gezeres hakosuv, it's something that the Torah says you have to do. Whether we understand it or not, the Torah could have told us to do anything, and we would have to do it. It's gezeres hakosuv. So the Torah says, blow a shape on Rosh Hashanah. That's Xeris HaKosuv. But the Rambam says, you don't have to just accept it at face value. You don't have to just say, well, it's Xeris HaKosuv, and I do it blindly. Remez Yeshvay. There's a Musa Dahar. There's some understanding in terms of our emotional attachment to the mitzvah and what it should mean to us, what it should signify. There's a remez in this mitzvah of blowing a shayfra and Rosh Hashanah. Kleimar, as if to say, says the Rambam, Uru yeshenin mishinaschem v'ikitsu nedamim mitardumaschem Awaken you sleepers from your slumber and open up your eyes, people that are in a deep state of a coma from that state. We have to wake up sometimes. We have to grasp what's going on in our life. The chipsubimasechem and we have to examine our ways. What are we doing right and what are we doing wrong? The chizur b'tshuva. And come back and do tshuva. The zichru barachem. And remember your creator. Who is this addressing, says the Rambam? Elo ha-sheichem es azman. These are people that forget the truth because of the trivial aspects of what's going on in the times that we live. The Shagim called Shinasam Behevovarik and we spend the whole year involved in matters that are really nothing. They're not going to help us, they're not going to save us, they're just utter wastes of our time. He beat to an Sechem. This is still the Rambam talking. He's giving us a long Musr in this halacha. 
And he's saying, go look at your soul. And make your path better. Let's abandon our bad ways. And our thoughts that are impure, that are not good. So the Rambam basically says, again, just to summarize, that the mitzvah ki hashayfah is exerced because we don't understand it. The Torah says to do it, we do it. But if you want, says the Rambam, I'll offer you a little bit of a remez. And that the shayfah is an alarm. A shayfah wakes us up to the realities of our life and does not allow us to continue sleeping and wasting our time and going through life marching on without any rhyme or reason just following the zeitgeist, following whatever the pop culture is, following whatever people tell us to do, following whatever is the latest technology and the latest gadget, that's all we just follow blindly, that's not what we're supposed to be doing. The shaper says, wake up, and hop that there's something wrong, that we have a problem here, and that we're not doing well, and that we have to remember HaKadosh Baruch, we have to change our ways, we have to be become new again and do tshuva. That's the Rambam. And then the Rambam continues this halacha and he says lefichach and whenever you see in the Yadah Chazaka the word lefichach then you know that there is something there is this Torah to be said. I once had a Rebbe I'm not going to say who but he used to say to me uh, Maisha, you see when the when the uh, you know the Torah are on the side of the on the side of the Gemara when it brings when it brings down sometimes two Rambams and it brings down all the Makaris where 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 the where the Gemara is found in the Rambam where it's found in Shulchan Aruch. So he says sometimes you see in that there, it's cited two Rambams. So he says you know what yet what what that means. I said, I don't know, there's a steer on the Rambam? He said, no, 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 no. I said, um, I don't know, maybe the Rambam is citing multiple uh, sources. Said, no. He says, it means that I have a shear to say today. Whenever the Rambam says two, two when, when he brings two Rambams, there's a shear. There's certain tricks you have to know if you're going to be a Magad shear. When you see the word Lefichach in the Rambam, you know... You know, there should be like a flashing neon light that something is going on. There's a connection that the Rambam is trying to make. And let's hear what he says, because it seems like it's completely off course. A person should see himself the entire year. Chanukah, Purim, Tishabah, the whole year round. As if he's half Chayev, and have Zakai, I'm like walking on the edge. I'm a little innocent, a little guilty. Whatever I do tips the scales. If I do an Avera, it's going to bring the whole world down. The Gaimah Ashkasan will cause utter destruction. Also, Mitzvah and if I do a Mitzvah, I'm going to save the world. I'm going to be like Mashiach, coming to save the world every mitzvah I do, because who knows, maybe the whole world is hanging in the balance of that one mitzvah. 
Zehu shenemer b'tzadik yisayid olam. Zeh tzadik atzma mechriyas kalayom kula b'tzilut. There's an obvious question. What's the Rambam's lafichah? What's lafichah? The Rambam gave us the Moshe was about a shayfer. And that the shayfer is supposed to be an instrument which we understand to be a wake-up call to change our ways through tshuva. Lafichah, that's why the whole year you're supposed to look at yourself like you're chatzik zakai, chatzik what is that? What's the Hemsha? What does that have to do with the Shaifu or the Remez Yeshvay? It's not my Kasha. So, Chatzka Levenshin, the great Mashkiach Kasha, and he applies by Yitzarachian. I don't think he answers the question. The truth of the matter is that it's really a flow in the Rambam. If you'd see the Rambam from the beginning of Parashlishi, He's saying, he starts off speaking about these concepts about how a person is half and half. So really, if you want to really be technical, but then I lose my schmooze today. If you want to be technical, is not, you know, the Ram sort of took like a commercial break to talk about the Shaifer. But then he continues back to what he was talking about before he got into this tangent about a Shaifer. But we're not going with that Mahalo. Another question that I had was that what does the Rama mean that it's exeris hakasov and that there's a remez? What does that mean? What's the remez? Where's the remez? You know, a remez normally means like you found the remez in the Torah. Like an asmachta, there's a remez. What's the remez? Uri Yishen Mishinastam is not a pasuk, by the way. It's, everyone thinks it's a pasuk. It's not a pasuk. Where's the Rama finding a remez Climb out, Uri Shemit, wake up. What, what is the remez? Is it there? Sarkasman, there's a remez, Yeshvay. There's a remez. Is it there? Sarkasman, the says to do it. You want to make up a tyrant, so then make up a tyrant. What's the remez? Remez implies that there's somewhere in the tyrant that's marames to it. And the rem doesn't seem to quote any pasuk in the tyrant. So what I want to suggest is the following. There's two places in the Torah that speak about the mitzvah of blowing a shaykhah. There's a pasuk in Parshas Pinchas, and there's a pasuk in Parshas Emmer. The pasuk in Parshas Pinchas says, Yom Teruah Yerachem. It should be a day of blowing a shaykhah. Rosh Hashanah is a day of truah. It's a day that we're supposed to listen to the Tkiah shaykhah. There's another pasuk, and that's in Parshas Emmer, that says, Zichrein Shua Yelachem. It's not a day of Shua. It's a Zichrein Shua. It's a remembrance of Shua. You're supposed to remember the Shua. Now there's a Gemara in Rosh Hashanah on that Chavtes that asks this as like a problem. Like is it a Zichrein Shua? Is it a remembrance of Shua? Is it a Yom Which one is it? And the Gemara of course says it depends what year it is. When there's like this year, the ability to blow a shaifer because it's not Shabbos. So then, it's Yom Shur. But if it's a year that Rosh Hashanah falls on Shabbos, obviously, at least according to the Babli, this is, you know, this is an asmachta because it's only Gezeir. Really, we should be able to blow a shaifer on Shabbos, but it's Gezeir Durabah that you're not allowed to, uh, to we, you might walk in Rosh Hashanah to learn how to blow a shaifer. 
so we don't allow it. But when Rosh Hashanah falls on Shabbos, we don't blow a shaper. So it's Zichr and Truah. It's a remembrance of Truah. We don't have a Truah, we have a remembrance of a Truah. So that's how the Gemara deals with these Sukkim. But we see from this Gemara that there seems to be a problem. Is it a Yom Truah or is it a Zichr and Truah? Um, so what I'd like to suggest is that the Torah says it's a Yen Shur. the Torah says that Rosh Hashanah is a day it's one day of the year that we blow a Shur what does that mean it's a day that we blow a Shur it's a day that we are inspired to do Shur there's an understanding, everybody understands that the shaifer is a way of doing tshuva. And Rosh Hashanah is a day that we are supposed to be inspired. It's a Yom Adin, it's a time that Akhish who judges each and every one of us, where we're holding, how we fit into his Malchus, which is the day of Amlacha. A lot goes on in Rosh Hashanah, there's a lot that we're being judged for. You know, we were talking yesterday in the Chabura after davening about the Rabbi Niyayna and Shaya Tshuva, which is also a basic text of Tshuva. That and the Rambam together are like, you know, that's all you really need going into Rosh Hashanah. And he, he speaks so beautifully, Rabbi Niyayna, and he says that it's important to keep a notebook throughout the year. We call it a Cheshbana Nefesh, but you're supposed to keep a notebook and remember the Averis that you did throughout the year from people throughout the millennium always is to do that. They would keep a really, some people, somebody just pointed out his notebook would really be this fat. Some people would have a little one. Some people need like an entire encyclopedia. But there is a, an importance of remembering what we did wrong. You know why? Because if you don't write it down, what happens is we forget. The human mind has the beautiful ability to pretend as if everything is perfect. We don't remember a thing. I don't remember, you know, if I did an Avera ten minutes ago, I just gloss over it. Imagine the Avera that I did last uh, Sukkot, or last Shemini Atzeres, or last uh, whenever. The whole year, we do dozens of Averas, you know, a day, a week, a minute, whatever it is, and what happened to all those others? We're going into Rosh Hashanah thinking we're perfect. We're not so bad. We're in Yeshiva. Everything is good. We're... But there's so many things that we have to do tshuva for. We just forget about them. Rabbi Yenis it's important to write things down so that when we go into Rosh Hashanah, at least we should remember, we should understand that there's work to be done. And that's where Rosh Hashanah is. Rosh Hashanah is a day that we have to really face the music and own up to the fact that we have a problem. Like the Rambam says, we've wasted an inordinate amount of time. You know, one of the, perhaps the most detrimental aspects of the technology that we are inundated by, there are so many problems with it, and we are all familiar with, you know, with many of them, but I think the most overlooked problem of everything, more than the schmutz, and more than the fear on the minas, and more than the you know, the Facebook and the, you know, all these things, the worst thing perhaps of all of them is the Bittles man. How much time 
is consumed by surfing the web. How much time? You know, you go... We're all guilty of this, I think. If, you, if you're looking at the internet, you know that you sit down, you want to check out the news, or you want to check out your sports, or whatever it is that you're, you're going on, and before you know it, two hours have passed, you don't even feel it. Those are two hours that we could have, you know, learned ten blada gemara, we could have, you know, learned a few simanim and shulchan we could have, you know, visited somebody in a hospital... In the old days, people had time to do these things. Now we're so busy every free minute looking at our phones. And we're all guilty of this. I mean, you know, you go to any restaurant. No one talks anymore, as they say. Everyone's just looking at their, at their phone. The other day, I wanted to take a picture. Outside the elevator, there were three friends standing around waiting for the elevator. And everybody was looking at their cell phone. Driving, you know, you drive and like, you know, you know that the guy in front of you by the red light, when he doesn't go right away as soon as it turns green, it's because he's for sure checking it, you know, and you have to hunt, to hunt, to hunt. There's so much wasted time. There's so much wasted time. We managed spend our time at the Ramam, you know, the Ramam could have been written today, that we spend our whole time. What does it do for us? We get smarter from knowing every single news item, you know, on the web for whatever you're looking up. But we get smarter. We're more informed. Like, does it matter? But we waste so much time. And we have a lot to atone for. And we have a chance to sit in shul and yeshiva and daven to the rabbi Yishlam and do tshuva. And comes the shayfer and says, now it's time to wake up and do tshuva. <coughs> and we get inspired and we talk of feel the tshuva. And we feel good after Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, you come out and you feel like a million bucks. You feel like you just came out of the Arizal's mikvah. You know that feeling like you're purified. You're absolved of all your sins. But what happens the day after? Or a week after? We go right back to where we were before. We go right back. The whole year we're doing what we shouldn't be doing. Rosh Hashanah comes, the young Shura, we wake up, we do Shura, we're good boys again. And then all of a sudden, a day later, a week later, we know what happens, we just get right back into the soup. Every year, and so many times, guys come over to me, this year, grab nobody did, because it's a short L. But normally I get at least five, ten guys coming, this is a joke. We're doing, we're going through this charade again and again every single year, and I know that by Hanukkah, and that's being generous, I'm going to be back exactly where I am. So who am I fooling? And that's an old schmooze. And there's a lot to be said on that topic as well. Yom Trua implies that it's one day a year that you're supposed to be inspired to tshuva, get that good, and then hopefully it'll stick, but who knows. And in fact, it's brought in Svarim that this is really the code of the Shaifer. And the name of the Shmuz on the, on the screen is cracking the code of the Shaifer. What does that mean? The Shaifer has a code. The Shaifer is like a Morse code. You have to understand what the Shaifer's code is. We hear it and we get the mitzvah just for hearing it even if we have no kavanahs. But you know what the kavanah of the shayf when we do a tkiah, and then we do a shvarm truah, and then we do a tkiah? You know what that is? What's the code? What's, what's the Rebbe sending us? What's the signal? 
the signal says the svarim is very pashut. What is its kia? Its kia is light is great. Smooth sailing. It's just smooth. Everything is fine. Let's not think about anything. Let's just keep on, keep on going. Let it ride. Let's not rock the boat. Everything is fine. Everything is good. And then there's a truer. True is, you sh- get shaken up. Everything is like uh, turbulent. Everything is shaking. People are nervous. Because it's Rosh Hashanah, it's Yem Adin. So there's a Tkiah, life is great the whole year. There's a Truah, things get nervous. And then what happens? It's a again. Once the nervousness passes, we could go back to doing what we want to do the whole year. The Shaifah is giving us a Muslim That's what we are. We are creatures that we do what we want. Young Truah, everybody gets very firm. We put on our kippah, we dabble, we cry, we, sh- we scream, we shake. And then after that, we go back to doing what we do, what we like to do the whole year until next Rosh Hashanah. That's Yom Truah. Kia, Truah, Kia. It's Kishmaka life. You could fool God so easily. We could fool ourselves so easily. You do a Tkia, Yom Truah and you get a Truah, you get a little shaken. And God is very impressed by our shaking and by our masayim and by our, you know, by our crying and by our tears and our clapping alchet and by our vina malkenos and the chazan and the everything is great. And then we get to do what we want the rest of the year. You know, if Gifter was an American born and bred, God will be a show. If Gifter was an amazing person, he had a fluent, he spoke English, he was American, he was born in Portsmouth, Virginia. And he spoke like a real American English. He had a great vocabulary, and he had a great oratory, he was a very masterful speaker. I heard him speak several times for Abim, and you could get his tapes and hear his, you know, hear him online. I think there are Shirim you could download if you want to hear. He is like the greatest the greatest Jewish orator probably of all time, you know, in, in America, let's say. He was masterful. And then he went to Europe, and he learned in tells, and he became a tremendous Hamad Chacham. He was already, you know, on the way up in America, and he learned by big people here, but when he went there to, to, to Lithuania, which was very unusual for an American boy to go across the seas, and to go to Lithuania, you have to understand what Lithuania was. You know, we, today it's a big mysterious moment for us to go to Eretz Yisrael. But in Eretz Yisrael, you know, you have all the creature comforts. You have the pizza, and you have the falafel, and you have the, you know, the burger bar, and whatever you want. Bakomikoko, you have in Eretz To go to Europe, they had like outdoor plumbing, and they had, you know, they had, they, they had no indoor plumbing, and they had no heat, and they had no, everything was like primitive. And you have to mamish be meiser nefesh. And if Gifter came, I don't know if he spoke Yiddish, he probably did, but he really learned an, an amazing Yiddish there. So he was really fluent in English and Yiddish. And he became one of the G'dayi Adar. I can't speak about Gifter without telling a personal anecdote that happened. I, I don't want to make it out like I had, I, I had a cash with Gifter because I really didn't. But one 
summer, I was learning in Eretz Yisrael, in Bayit in Vagan, in Kol Tairo, and my Rebbe told me that Rav Gifter is here from America, he's staying down the block, and it's Kedai for you to go and maybe, you know, give him shalom, speak to him a little bit. So I went with a friend, and he sat as the Rebbe answered the door, and he was so happy to see us, he didn't know us at all. He sat us down, and he was schmoozing with us, he was asking us about our learning and about this, and then he started telling us for like an hour stories about tells and about the greatness of what it meant to be a Telza Talmud in Europe circa 1920s, 1930s. And, and then we said, okay, it's enough for today, come back tomorrow. So it was like unbelievable. You know, sometimes you're like, you have to pinch yourself. Like, here I am. We were sitting with the Gadladar. We came back the next day, and again he started sitting down and talking to us, and he's telling us a lot of interesting things. And he, uh, all of a sudden there was a knock on the door. And it's, he gets up, he's like, excuse me, and he goes to the door. And who is at the door of Shach? Rav Shach came from B'nai Brak to Bayit Vagan to get to say Shalom to Rav Gifter. And they were hugging and they were, they were very close. They were hugging and they were kissing and Rav Gifter was saying, you know, I, I told the Rashiva, don't come. I was going to come to B'nai Brak this time to visit you. He said, no, I wouldn't hear of it. I came to visit you. And then, you know, he, they, he stayed maybe five, ten minutes and then he left. I never saw, you know, it was like crazy. And... Rav Gifter was an amazing, amazing person. He literally changed the face of American Jewry. When Rav Gifter was traveling on the boat, they didn't have, you know, airfare, you know, commercial airlines I don't think existed at that time, or if it did, it was very expensive. And Rav Gifter, everyone, if you wanted to travel somewhere, you did, you did it by boat. So Rav Gifter was on like a very big, like a cruise line, I guess. You know, it wasn't a cruise line like we imagine a cruise to be. It wasn't with swimming pools and whatever. But it sort of had a lot of the amenities that, you know, that a cruise line at that time might have. And Gifter was in his, you know, in his room, and I guess he was learning. And he went out on the deck, and he was looking down from, from a deck into one of, like, the dining rooms of the of this ship. And it was an elegant dining room. And there were people, like men and women, and they were having like a great time, and there was a band that was playing music, and people were dancing, and people were singing, and people were laughing, and they were playing cards at the table, and they were having like a great time. Her gift was like observing this. And all of a sudden, in the middle of the of this, you know, this scene, the boat starts like hitting like a major storm in the middle of the sea. And the boat starts rocking back and forth and back and forth. And like, you know, the tip, you know, you know, who knows? Maybe it's another Titanic. They didn't know what was going on. So the music stops and people put their cards away. You know, maybe some people are praying to whatever God they're, they're praying to. And everybody's very nervous. And then Urgift is watching this whole scene play out. And the ship is like back and forth and everyone's like screaming and nervous and whatever. And then all of a sudden, you know, the storm comes, the seas come, and the music starts striking up again, and the good times begin to roll once again, and people whip out their decks of cards and start like, you know, again playing it. 
And Rav Gifter was like looking at this and he was like amazed. People were so happy and having such a great time. Then they did chuva a little bit because the you know, storm started getting rocky. And then the storm stops and they start, the, the band strikes up again and everyone, the dancing continues and everything is back to normal. People forgot about, you know, God, about chuva, about everything. And this stuck in Rav Gifter's mind. You know, people like Rav Gifter are very observant. They don't just see things and, and you know, and just, uh, uh, you know, in one ear and out the other. It, it makes a reshim. If you're a Balmusa or whatever you see in life, has to make a reshim. My wife always tells my kids that be careful because everything that you do in this house can and will be mentioned in a shmooz. <laughs> whatever you see, you, you know, I don't get out that often, so if I see something in the basement, if I see something by the elevator, if I see something, you know, I have to, you know, I have to take note of it because I need this material. Or if Gifter, like, on the boat, he was taking notes. It's amazing. He came to Tells, and he, you know, he was sitting with the Telzerov. Telzerov was a galadar. And he says, Rabbi, I, I have to tell you something that I saw on the boat, you know, coming to Yeshiva. He says, tell me, what'd you see? And he told him the whole thing that he saw. It was rocky, it was, it was great times, everything was happy, and then, you know, all of a sudden the boat started getting very shaky and people stopped and they were scared. And then the, the seas calmed and everything was great again. Party just continued rolling. He says, I can't understand what I saw. And the Telzerov stopped for a second and he thought about it and he said, this is the definition of life. This is what life is. Life is this. That we have our lives, we party, we eat, we drink, we speak Lashonara, we schmooze, we do whatever we want. It's a free-for-all. Rosh Hashanah comes, that's like the storm starting, it gets choppy, there's a trua, it's a young trua, you get nervous, you change. I'm a good boy, please God, don't, don't, don't take my life away, let it be a good year, Parnassa and Gizunt and, 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 and Nachas from the Kinderach, and everybody should be happy, everybody should be good, please don't take my life away, please. Rosh Hashanah passes, Yom Kippur passes. Now it's Sukkis already, you know, we're starting going to Hershey Park, and we're doing this, we're doing that. It's gone! The whole, not to leave the room, Hershey Park. I go there myself. But I'm just using it as a muscle. And I go there just to get more material. Um, but it's a tekiah, our life, and then it's a truah, and then it's a tekiah. That's the code of the shaifer. The shaifer is giving us a musr shmuz. That's not what it should be. Don't think that this is just one day a year that you're supposed to be nisrashim, you're supposed to be nervous, and you, should, you should be inspired. Yom Chua seems to indicate that. And the Rambam says, it's exerus ha'kosov, that you're supposed to blow the shaper one day a year to Yom Chua. But I found the remez, says the Rambam. Where's his remez? I believe that the Rambam's remez is in the other pasuk, where it says, Zichran Shua Yelachem. The shaper is not a one-day-a-year experience. Yes, there's a mitzvah, there's a kasev one-day-a-year to blow the shaper. 
There should be a remembrance of the Trua the entire year. It should be a Trua. It should be a day that we, it should be a year of turbulence. It should be a year that we are shaking in our boots because there's an Abishter in the world. We should be doing tshuva, we should be inspired, we should keep it going forever. And don't get lulled into a false sense of security like we do every year after the Amnayram are over. It's a zikhrin trua, you have to remember the trua. That trua that you hear in Rosh Hashanah is not a one-day occurrence. It's a one-day-a-year mitzvah that should be reverberating and echoing until the next Rosh Hashanah. It's a remez yeshpai. Ur yeshenu mishinasem. V'yikitsin ne'edamit ha'mabchisra ha'seichem. Chizir v'tshuva. E'wa shechaz ha'avrez ma'amishayim kol shmasem ha'avrik. It's a yearly, it's a whole year of, of doing tshuva. Of understanding that we have to change not just one day a year, not just ten days a year, not forty days a year. But an entire year we're wasting. And we have to remember the sound, the echo, the trua. It has to be a zikhrin trua, the Tyrez Maramis us. It should be something that stays with us forever and ever. Every day of the year, there should be a remembrance somehow of the trua. And that's what I believe the Rama means when he says, L'fichach, the continuation. L'fichach, because of this, says the Rambam, Sarakal Adam, Shayyira Atzmai, Kalashanakua. Every day of the year, says the Rambam, you have to look at yourself as if you're walking on thin ice, as if every single step that you take could either be life or death, it could be the salvation of the world, or it could be the destruction of the world. That's inspiration that lasts the entire year, and that is the legacy of the Shaifer. That's the code of the Shaifer. It should not be just merely a young true. It's true, it's one day a year. That's Xerus HaKoslov. But there's a remnant. The Torah doesn't stop there. The Torah says it's a Zichrein Shura. I want you to remember the Musa of the Shaifer the entire year. L'fichach. The entire year, says the Rambam, be inspired by that Shaifer. And look for inspiration. And see how every single thing that you do, every time you're about to do something right, you're amazing. Every time you're about to do something wrong, it could bring utter oblivion to the world. That's what the Shaifer is coming to teach us. That's what the Shaifer's lesson is. <coughs> There's a Rambam in Hilchas Mezuzah. It's a fascinating Rambam. If you've ever, if you've never seen it, it's Kedai to look at. It's at the end of Hilchas Mezuzah. It's Perak Vav. In Hilchas Tefillin and Mezuzah, the Sefer Torah. The Rambam says this when he's speaking about the mitzvah of Mezuzah, which is such a ubiquitous mitzvah. Like wherever you go, there's, on, there's mezuzahs on every door, and every office, and every shul. There's always mezuzahs. So what are you supposed to think about when you see this, when everybody kisses the mezuzah? What is, what's a mezuzah? What is it already? So the Rambam says like this: Chayev Adam You have to be careful about this mitzvah mezuzah. It's a constant obligation. 
Every time we walk into a door and out of a door, into a house, out of a house, into a boardroom, out of a boardroom, into an operating room, we're supposed to think that there's Yichud Shmei Shachadish Baruch Hu. Hakadish Baruch Hu is one. Shmei Yisrael Hashem Lekin Hashem. There's one God in the world. We're not God. There's no Abay Dezaris. There's only God. The Yizkarad Vasay. Remember Hashem's law. That's the Ahavka. The Yeir Mishinasay. You know what the Ram is saying? You have to wake up from your slumber when you kiss the Mezuzah. And your foolishness, your stupidity, if I could use that word, with the, the trivial nature of things that we do with our time that are completely absurd and utterly foolish and a waste of our time. There's only one thing that's permanent. There's only one thing that matters when you boil it all down. And that is knowing God. Knowing HaKadosh As soon as you see that on the mezuzah, you might have been entering into a, a big conference and you were going to do something that was inappropriate. You were, you were going to act in a way that was wrong. You're going to do something unethical. You may have been going into a room to watch something that was inappropriate. And then all of a sudden you see the mezuzah. And the mezuzah is supposed to wake us up to the reality that you can't do that. You can't do that. There's a God in the world. You have to love Him. You have to fear Him. You have to know Him. You have to understand Him. You have to understand what He wants. You can't waste your time like this. HaKadosh Baruch gave us a mission. We're not supposed to waste our time. All of a sudden when you see the mezuzah, you're going to sober up. And you're going to go in a way that's just, that's right. You have thrown on your head. And on your arm. It's a guarantee that you're not going to sin because you have these constant reminders all the time. There's a tefillin, there's a mezuzah, there's tzitzah, there's reminders. And these are supposed to be things that constantly cause us to be jolted to the reality that there's a rabbinic shalim in the world. Because you have so many souvenirs, you have so many mementos of God. These are angels. Don't look at like a mezuzah as being an inanimate object. Look at a mezuzah as being an angel that's here to give you a message, whisper in your ear, and save you from doing what you're not supposed to be doing. The Malach like sort of camps around those that fear God and protects him. What's the Ramam saying over here? I think this Ramam is sort of like a a Ramam that's a sister to the Ramam that we started with this morning. Because the Ramam is saying that the Shaifer is not a one day a year mitzvah. It shouldn't be a Tkiah, Shura, Tkiah. 
the Rambam is saying that there's a remez that the shaifer has to last the entire year. You need a shaifer really every day of the year. And if you're wondering, why Kaka don't blow a shaifer every day of the year? Isn't that, if what I'm saying is true, shouldn't there be a mitzvah to get a shaifer every, every day of the year? And I thought about this. And I think that we can answer that problem based on a grah. The grah says something that's very nagay in a few days from now in Arab Rosh Hashanah. Erev Rosh Hashanah, we know that even though we blew the shape for the whole hour, we stop. Erev Rosh Hashanah. And everybody knows the reason that's brought is because we want to be mastic between tkis of mitzvah, tkis to rishos, and tkis to mitzvah, and also because of uh, the satan. We know all the reasons. The gross has an, a novel idea why you're supposed to stop before you start again on Rosh Hashanah. He says because we're familiar with the Gemara and Gittin that everybody, you know, is exposed to on Tishabab. The Gemara says that Titus, who is the arch enemy of the Jewish people, the great Roman general who brought down the Beis Hamikdash, and he was Machvez Zainal and he terrible person, Titus. And as a punishment, Hakadosh Baruch Hu made a little gnat go into his ear and or or into his nose, and and he basically and it, it grew inside of his brain and it was pecking away and it was eating at his brain and it was like. And it was, uh, it was making him crazy. That buzzing sound, he couldn't get to it, and it was driving him a sugar. And he passed by a, like a, I don't know, like a, a coppersmith. And the coppersmith was like banging with a hammer against the, uh, again, while he was making his copper, he was banging and banging and banging. And when he was banging, the gnat stopped doing, making the buzzing sound and eating his brain. So he said, wow. I found a way to solve the problem. So he hired like a Jewish coppersmith and he employed him to constantly just bang. I mean, you know, to me that wouldn't be much of a, that sounds like a worse solution. But for him, it was, it was a great solution. And he was banging and banging and banging and that didn't say anything anymore. It was like, it was okay inside of his head. But then after a few, after a while, the gnat started up again. And the Gemara says, the famous words, Kivon, the dosh, dosh. Once the net got used to that banging, it wasn't a threat to him anymore, so he just started doing his thing again. Zuck to Grah, that's why we stopped along the Shay for Erev Rosh Hashanah, because we know, you know, the first day of Errol, wherever we may have been, but sometimes, like, if you tend to, like, space out, especially, like, towards the end of davening, and all of a sudden you forget that there's a shifer, and all of a sudden, like, there's a shifer, and like, whoa, you get startled. And then the second day, maybe also, but by the fifth day, by the tenth day, nineteenth day, it's like, you know, old news, we're just like, you know, now we're already, like, examining how good the Baltic is, and like, you know, nothing personal. And, um, very good. Um, but, uh, um, you know, that's already like what, what happens as, you know, as time passes. So if we would go straight from a Shaykhish El into Rosh Hashanah, blowing the Shaykhir, keep him to Dash Dash, like the Shaykhir got, you know, he's going to stand up there and we're going to like be yawning because we're used to it already. Doesn't do anything for us. So we stop, we give a little bit of a recess, now the brain can like reset itself, and now Rosh Hashanah comes and it's a young Shura, we got to get a little scared when we hear the Shaykhir. Now imagine if we would do 354 days a year of Shaifer, or minus Shabbos and Yom Taibim, whatever that comes out to. It would be like, you know, 
It would be nothing. It's already come out nothing. Imagine if you do it the whole year, it's mamish going to be nothing. It's a joke. So the Torah says that it's going to be a young Zikarin, young Shua. The rest of the year, you're not going to have that young Shua. But you're going to figure out ways to inspire yourself. Because that is what the Shaifer teaches us. To take the lesson of that Yem Shura and make it a Zikran Shura. Carry the lesson of his areas to Chuba throughout the whole year. And you're going to have to look for things. You're going to have to look for it in the Mezuzah. And in your Tzillin. And in your Tzitzis. And all of the other things that are supposed to inspire us. <coughs> Those are the Shaifer. Those are the Shaifer throughout the rest of the year. Those are the Zikran Shura that we need so desperately. It's not enough one day a year. There are Jews out there that think that, you know, they're three-day-a-year Jews. They go to shul, they buy their tickets. You know, there's a famous joke about a person who was in, like, a reform shul and um, Roshana, and he wanted to go into the main sanctuary. So there was a guard standing outside, and he wanted a ticket. He says, you can't go in there, you know, without... Yeah, it's, it's like $500 a ticket. You can, we're not going to let you in there. He says, but I need to call out a friend. I have a friend in there. I need to call him for something. He says, no, you have to, you know, you either have a ticket, you don't have a ticket. So it keeps on going. Like, it's an emergency. His wife's expecting it. So finally, the guard is like so frustrated. He says, you know what? Fine. I'll give you five minutes to go into the sanctuary, but don't you dare pray. That's a joke. <laughs> there are people that believe, you know, Roshani and Kippur, I go to Shul the rest of the year. I can do whatever I want. It's a free-for-all. Just, you know, be a good boy three days a year and, and you're fine. And we're all like that a little bit, right? Aren't we? We do what we want the whole year. Roshana is here. Yom Kippur is here. We're good boys. Then we go back. It's Kia. Shua. Kia. The Ram is telling us, Lefichach. The whole year, you have to look at yourself as Chatei Zakei Chatei. You can't end Rosh Hashanah. It has to be the whole year. Rabbi Yisrael Salanter was the great founder of the Musar movement. We're living in this chutz of Yisrael Salanter. Without him, I wouldn't have a job. So I'm personally very happy with Rabbi Yisrael Salanter. Rabbi Yisrael Salanter was the greatest, the greatest, Bal Musar is the greatest Talmud Chacham. He's a Gain Adar. You know, some of you think, you know, if he's a Bal Musar, he probably doesn't know how to learn. Rabbi Yisrael Salanter was a genius in learning. And Rabbi Yisrael Salant used to say as follows. I have a good friend in the room, Rabbi Mordechai Glick, who came to, uh, to, to hear his old friend give a shmuz. And he'll remember when we were in Chaim Berlin together. I don't know if he remembers this particular story, but I used to learn with Rabbi Aaron Shachter, the Rashiva Musar Seder. And, you know, in the yeshivas, the joke is that Musar Seder is, it's, 20 minutes of silence, Lazefa Nishmas of Yisrael Salanter. You go into a lot of yeshivas, that's not the way Musa Seder was supposed to look like. Musa Seder was supposed to be rocking and rolling, people were screaming and shouting and crying. But today it's like, you know, you, you learn very, if you're learning at all, you're learning like, you know, very quiet. And I was learning with Ivan, and I saw like he was like very agitated throughout this Musa Seder during El, in the middle of El. And I couldn't like get his attention, like he wasn't into it, he wasn't in the zone. I said, you know, I didn't say anything, but then all of a sudden he couldn't contain himself. He was like going out of, out of his kalim, as they say. And he gets up and he gives a clap on his shender. And he says, Rabbi Sai. He says, Rabbi Yisrael Salanter used to say that 
really the whole year, the Gansa Yar Zalzain Elul. It should be Elul the whole year. That's the way it really truly should be. It wasn't Elul, well, we have a break, we were from her one month of the year. The truth is, the whole year should be Elul. Oh, but Elul is the fourth Elul. It says Elul is Elul. Hanukkah should also be Elul. Tevez should also be Elul. Ab should also be Elul. But Nebuchadnezzar, but during Elul should be Elul. How can we not be at Musa Seder during Elul? How can we not be having Musa Bistayus during Elul? And made a big ration on me. And that's a very big aside. The true is not just in Elul and in Rosh Hashanah. It's a whole year of true. It's a whole year of inspiration. It has to be Elul the whole year. Now it's true that Rosh Hashanah and Kippur is, you know, it's code red of Tshuva and his Tylos. But that doesn't mean that we should stop after Yom Kippur. There should be a, a Tkir Gedaira throughout the whole year. There has to be a Trua the whole year. It's a Zichrin Trua. I think we have gifted used to start learning Shari Tshuva, Matzai Yom Kippur. He already started his Aveda preparation for Hashan Yom Kippur right after Yom Kippur ended. Godless. We're already, you know, we're building our sukkah, which is a good thing, but we're doing our thing already, like, the, the morning after, we're back to what we were doing. No, nothing changes. And the tire doesn't want that. The tire wants us to find inspiration throughout the whole year. I'm going to give you an example of a, somebody that understood this very well. There's a, a very big goggle by the name of Isser Zalman Meltzer. Rabbi Zalman was the father-in-law of Rav Aaron Kotler. And he was Rosh Shiva and Eitz Chaim, and Rav Aaron Kotler was very close to them. And Rabbi Zalman was the Evan Ozel. He was, he was the, one of the greatest Gedalim of the generation. You can imagine if you have a son-in-law like Rav Aaron Kotler, you know, who you must be. And Rabbi Zalman once was like doing psicha. On a regular day, he got, for some reason, they gave him psicha, and he started crying. And no one understood, well, you know, it's not that bad a keyboard, I mean, it's not shlishi, but, you know, it's, but, you know, but, but live with it, you know, what's the big deal? So why are you crying? So he says, because I saw inside of the Aran, there was a safer Tyra, and you know when there's a safer Tyra that needs to be checked, something happened to it, it's puzzle. What do you do? You put a gartel on the outside of the safer tire just to show people that don't use the safer tire. And he says, you know, I thought about that. He says, I should be wearing a gartel around, around me so that people should know that I'm a safer Shana Muga. I'm not a person that you could take Musa from, lessons from. People don't know who I really am. They, don't, they think that I'm something that I'm not. He was able to find the sound of the shaper and something that was so benign. But he was looking, he was observing things to find Musr, to seek out lessons. He wasn't just glossing over everything like we all do and nothing means anything, it's just garbage. Everything was real for him. And he found the shaper, he heard the shaper's echo in everything. 
There was a story that in Yerushalayim, Rav Ari Levin, who was the tzaddik of Yerushalayim, he was the father-in-law of Rav Yashiv. You could tell who people are sometimes by who their sons-in-law are. And Rav Ari Levin was told by a wife, by a woman in the town, that her husband was abusing her. And he was verbally abusing her, and he was beating her, and she was scared to death to go home. And he, she knew that this woman would go to, that this husband, rather, would go to Avaya Levine's Pirkei Avashir. He gave a famous Pirkei Avashir on Shabbos. In fact, they recently published a sefer called Avaya Haya Aimer, which is his notes, based on that shir that he gave. There's a whole sefer, I think somebody may manage my have it. A whole sefer of his chidushim and his shiurim on Pirkeiavis. So she says, "Listen, my husband comes to your shir. Do me a favor. Weave into your whatever you do there, whatever you're speaking about. Try to tell him somehow, you know, in a in a in a very selfful way how you shouldn't beat your wife. Could you try to like put that into the shmuz?" He says, "No, I'll try. I'll give it some thought. I'll, I'll try to figure out a way to you know to to, to zets that in." So, it was on Shabbos, and the person, Taka, came to the shmuz, to the shir, and he was sitting there, and, you know, and he was, so Rabbi Levine, like, sort of segued from whatever he was talking about into how you have to honor your wife, and you can't scream at her, and you can't abuse her, you have to be gentle with her, and you have to be nice to your wife, and you have to be, have shalom bias, and the guy was like, you know, it just, like, went right over his head, completely missed the whole point, and just... He came over afterwards and he gave him a big yeshev, beautiful drasha, thank you, have a good Shabbos. Now, Isser Zalman, the same Rav Isser Zalman that we just spoke about with the Gartel, he happened to have been also sitting in that same room during that drasha, and he came over to Rav Ari Levine and was crying. He says, thank you so much, I needed to hear that. He says, what are you talking about? I wasn't talking to you, I was talking to... He says, no, that, you, you and I both know that that was to me. You were talking to me, Right? He said, no, no, I really wasn't. I promise. He says, you know, I know that sometimes I'm working on the Evan Azel, on his, my safe on the Ramah, and my wife is the one that, you know, she writes it out, and she, like, typesets it. And sometimes, you know, she makes some careless mistakes, or she doesn't understand, you know, what I said, she misspells a word, or she doesn't put the Russian Tavis the right way, or whatever it is. And sometimes I like, I'm not the nicest person when that happens. I could sometimes, you, you could believe that Rabbi Sazam was the nicest person when that happened. But, you know, but sometimes I might get a little testy with her if she makes a mistake. And now because of your drasha, I promise I'm going to change. And Rabbi and, Sazam, you know, the guy who I was giving Musa to, the guy that like, you know, that puts his wife, like, you know, in a full Nelson, like, every day for supper, you know, he, like, completely, like, misses the boat, and, you know, and, and, and the most gentle human being on the face of the earth, he's crying for my schmooze. And that's the truth. The truth is that if you're a grubber person, if you're a coarse person, and you're not refined, and you're not sensitive, and you don't have an eye for change and for growth and for inspiration and for, and for tshuva, then you could mamish have the most cataclysmic event take place in front of your eyes and you will not change. And if you are sensitive, you can have the most simple little thing happen and it's going to be shattering your entire existence. You know, 
Today is 9-11 on the Gaiusha calendar. It's the 14th anniversary of September 11th, which is literally a day that changed the course of civilization. I know that many of you are probably toddlers when 9-11 happened, but for any of you that may remember a little bit about what was happening, it was a day that literally I will never forget, ever, no one will. It's one of those days that like the, those, the days that will stay in your mind forever and ever. And my son was born, Shlemla was born one month before 9-11. He was born on August 1st, 2001, and 9-11 was September 11, 2001. And sometimes, like, he has friends. In fact, my wife was on the way to her doctor's appointment with, with Shlemala, you know, for a checkup on the way to Manhattan when, when this news broke and all the buses stopped and it was a whole balagan. So that's how I remember it so clearly. Um, and sometimes my son, you know, has friends come over and, you know, we're schmoozing, and I ask them, like, what's your birthday? They say, uh, you know, October, you know, October 14th. I say, you should know that you and my son are the same, you're the same age, roughly. But my son was born in a different world than you were born in. There was a different world. The world before 9-11 was completely different than the world after 9-11. It was an event that literally changed the way the entire world perceived good and evil, safety, security. People did such tshuva. Suddenly people like were looking inward a little bit. It was during El. It was like mamish, you know, the perfect timing. It was right during this time of year, right before Rosh Hashanah. People were going to slichas. That's why a lot of Yidin didn't go, weren't in the buildings at the time because they were delayed because of slichas. And... What that day did was shake up people. People started getting married. People started having children. People that had families, you know, embraced their families. They realized that there was, you know, there was nothing else in the world. That all the things that they're running after in the world of finance, which is what the Twin Towers represented and embodied, that was like the the capital, the world capital of finance. And they saw that how everything was able to just dissolve and that nothing is true like the Rambam writes in Hilchus Mezuzah there's only God at the end of the day you could be a billionaire and you could be you know very successful and have a very good job and get into the graduate school of your choice and be, be this and be that but there's only Tzuraylamim that's all there is. At the end of the day, when you boil it all down, there's nothing else in the world but Enai Mobadai. That's what 9-11 woke us up to. That was a shaifer. That was a shaifer saying, Uri Yashayin It wasn't a shaifer of Hashanah, but it was a Zichrein Shura. It was a type of thing that we should be inspired from when we were. Now, it didn't last forever. And the world eventually, like the gifters ship. Once things began to settle a little bit, we went back to our old ways. But for that period of time, I could tell you that people were different. People were nicer. People were friendlier. People were more loving. People were more forgiving because we got the message. We heard the shaper. 
Last night, I was invited to a 10th yard site suda, an askara, for a very dear Talmud. His name was Abshmuel Alman. And Abshmuel was a wonder, no one here remembers him because it was way before your time, it was, it was in the early years of Yeshiva. He was the Baal on Rosh Hashanah. And he never, ever made a mistake. He was perfect. I never heard in my life, we have a good Baltagaya now also, and I'm not contrasting, but he never, you know, sometimes you go and you have to you have to do it over and over and over. It was perfect. It was mamish like as if he had like a recorder on. It was like a perfect job, not a single mistake. And Nebuch, he and he was full of life and he got married and he had a child and he was a gibar. He was mamish a gibar and he was, you know, very talented and he and he was good in learning, and he was good in sports, and he was good-looking, everything. A lot of chayn, a lot of life. And then all of a sudden he got the machla. And he got extremely sick very quickly. And the parents thanked me for coming, and they, they said, and they remembered, ten years later, that I came to visit him in the hospital, it was again this time of year, and it was the day before he was nifter. And he was like in a coma, he was all Medicaid, and he was in terrible Yisurim I'm not going to describe what was going on in his body, but it was a terrible, terrible machla. Never, never, no one should even remotely have anything that His parents called me out of the room and they said, listen, Rabbi Bamberger, you know, Shmuel, he studied for smicha, he didn't take all the tests, but could you maybe possibly find a way to give him smicha? I said, of course. It's a shayla. I ran back to Yeshiva, Rabbi Branchvig was a Shiva at the time, and I said, listen, Rabbi Brown Shabigal, he didn't take all the tests, but he's not passing any shilas anyway, and he deserves it. He learned the material. Write him out the smitha. And he took out a piece of paper, he wrote it out, we went rushing back, me and Italian went back to the hospital, gave it to him, and he started coming out of the coma. Like, he was in a state of, he was smiling, he was so happy from that smitha. And his parents had such a simcha, and they were like laughing, and they were, there was such a, an atmosphere of simcha for those minutes. And the next day he was nifter. And they put on his kever, Harav Shmuel Alman. Shmuel Eliyahu Alman. I remember that, that funeral ten years ago today. He was a member of Hatzalah. And there was a Hatzalah member last night that was saying, never in the history of Hatzalah, before or ever again, was there such a funeral procession. And I remember this. There were hundreds of Hatzalah ambulances and cars and scooters and motorcycles and whatever. There was two and a half miles worth of Hatzalah vehicles. And there are people on 1010 Winds saying that we don't know what's going on. There might be like some major, you know, 
emergency. We'll keep you updated, but we see that there is miles of emergency flashing vehicles, you know, on the Belt Parkway. They were taking the, the mace from the, queen, from the Queen's funeral home to Kennedy Airport for Kurinari Tishal. That's how beloved he was. That was a shifer. That was a Kyle Shifer. Yesterday morning, I was waking up in the morning. It was his yard site. And I was thinking about him, like as I was, you know, as I was getting up, thinking about him, remembering him a little bit. And the weirdest thing happened, and this goes back to what my wife warned my kids about. My daughter, one of my daughters comes into my bedroom and she says, Tati, um, I, need to, I need to look up something in Shmuel Aleph. I need to look up something in Shmuel Aleph. Could you get me the English, the Hebrew English Shmuel Aleph? I was like, you sure it's not Shmuel Bez? No, Shmuel Aleph. And to me, that was like a mini shaifer. Shmuel Aleph is Shmuel Alman. Little things, little, little delicate things that you could roll your eyes and say, okay, he's lost it. Or you could say, maybe he's right. Maybe these little shifers, these little tkiyas, these little truas, are what will get us through the year and will get us through our life. And I don't know how many of you were at the, the Levaya this past week. But I'll tell you, I have not been to a Levaya like that in my life. And I've never, never been to a Musr Shmuz remotely as powerful as that Levaya of Kayla Rus Heisenberg, whose brothers learn in the space Medrash. An 18-year-old girl who was taken in the prime of her life. And the stories that were spoken at that Levaya, you would think we're talking about Rebetzin Kanievsky. I was bawling like a baby, and I wasn't the only one in the room. I have never cried like that in my life. I just could not stop crying. A beautiful young girl from 12 to 18 suffering Yisurim Nairam, but taking it with such bitachin, taking it in such stride, giving physic to others, never being in a position of feeling sorry for herself, of expecting people to like, you know, do things for her, but always giving the sneers that she had, even while she was dying, she had a hospital gown on and she made a cut in the sleeve of the hospital gown because she didn't want them to, when they roll up her sleeve and, and put the intravenous tubes in, that her, her arm should be exposed. That's a dying girl. I don't think there's any shaila and halacha about if somebody's pikuach nefesh and you have to start worrying about covering your sleeve. But she made sure to cut it, make a slit in her sleeve so that she can cover it over so that she'd be able to have all of the IV apparatus in her and yet be fully covered in a hospital. This is not a girl that grew up in B'nai Brak. This is not a girl that grew up in Lakewood. This is a girl that grew up on Staten Island. And Staten Island is an Irvain Bistral. But it's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. The Osiris that I got from that, I walked away. I was, I was, you know, I was done. I was, that was my Elul, that was my Rosh Hashanah, that was my Yom Kippur. 
This is the Zichrein Trua. The Shaifer is not a one-day-a-year event. It's a Yom Trua. But the Shaifer tells us that make it a Zichrein Trua. Find different types of Shaifers throughout the year. I can't keep blowing a Shaifer every day because you're going to keep in the dash dash. But you have to find inspiration in the smallest of things. Rav Shimon Schwab once told Rav Breuer, they were co-rabbis in Kaladas Yeshurin and Breuer's. Rav Shimon Schwab was telling Rav Breuer how he took a, a plane to, I don't know where he was going, maybe it was Europe, maybe it was Israel, and he was explaining to Rav Breuer who was, his, his, who was older than him, and you know he was like the main rabbi, he said, like, I had such a stylus. He said, like, I mamish saw godless abers. I was flying in the airplane. I looked down at the window and I, you know, out of the window and I saw, you know, the expansiveness of the earth and the oceans and the glaciers and the clouds. And I said, ma gavlum asach Hashem. It's an amazing world, a beautiful world Abishman made for us. And her brother looks at him and he says, you know, I have that same exact feeling, but I don't have to take an airplane. He says, when I see a little, a little daisy, he used a German word for a daisy, like a very long German word. I forgot, I forgot how it goes. But when I see that little German, when I see that little daisy, a little like daffodil that's growing between the cracks of cement in the, in the sidewalk, I also have that same exact feeling about the Abishta. A person is able, a person is able, if he has eyes, that are observant, and he has ears that are able to be shemea kol shayfer, you'll be able to see and to hear those sounds, the trua blasting on 9-11, and on 9-12, and on 12-12, and on 3-12, throughout the year. 9-11 is like a cataclysmic event. That's a yam trua. But if you go to a funeral, you go to an askara, you go and see a little flower, you go and see a bird, you're able to see a child, a baby that's born, a child that's walking, a, a, a bentayah sitting by his gemara in 2015 and learning with asmaga and with ameos and with yagiyah. These are all things that are inspirational. I always say, if you want real inspiration... On Chalamay, you want to take a nice Chalamay trip. So some people go to, you know, to the mountains, the Bear Mountain, and some people go to Hershey Park, Great Adventure, you know, looking for fun, looking for excitement, looking for adventure, looking for, you know, to see some, to, you know, get out a little bit, to see the big world. The most inspirational sight, the most inspirational sight that you will have to style from the most is if you walk into a yeshiva like Chaim Berlin, like Lakewood, on Cholomayed, and you see hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of Bakram sitting by their Gemaras with their Chavrusas learning because they chose on their free time on Cholomayed that this is what I want to do. That's hysterious. That's awe-inspiring. That beats the Grand Canyon by a million times. But we have to have eyes to see that. We have to be sensitive. We have to have a zikr and trua mentality. That's the lafichach of the Rambam. Take from the shayfah for the whole year. Find inspiration. Chetzir zakai. Chetzir chayev. 
I could change the world. That's what the Shaper tells me. I can't waste my time this year. I can't do things that are usher. I have to try to be good, not just during Elul, but the whole year should be Elul. And if we could do that a little bit, not perfect, we're not perfect, we're not robots, we're human beings, but if we could somehow, some way, remember this and make every day a little Elulvik, a little Chuvavik, a little different Chuvavik, then this will definitely be a year that HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, I want to be a king of such people. People that think of me constantly. People that are committed to doing the right thing, to changing in a sincere and long-term fashion. I want to be your mouth. That's the Yisrael of Rosh Hashanah. That's the code of the Shaifer. In the Mitzvah Hashem, we should all have a year that's full of simple and full of good health and full of good times together as a, as a tzibur, as Bnei Taira and Yeshiva together, taking care of one another, caring for one another, being there for one another in good times and in bad. should be Mimale. Anything that we want on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and then we ask the Rabbi Shalom for and it's good for us in the fullest form. To see Yeshua's v'nechames and it should be the ultimate t'kabashay for Gadol. We should hear the true t'kiyah g'dayla with the imminent arrival of Mashiach t'kenu in the hair of Yameinu. Amin, Amin.